main text for this morning is going to be in Genesis chapter 19. And what we've been doing throughout the book of May is talking about uh, lessons that relate very specifically to the family, to the home. We've studied the book of Ruth. We've looked at Noah. And this morning we'll be looking at Lot and his actions. This morning the, the message is going to be us looking to a bad example as a good example. You know what I'm saying? Lot's actions were bad, but sometimes it's those bad examples in the Bible that produce that, that example that we need so we don't make the same mistakes that he did. There are a lot of things that stand out about Lot. Now, he is, the Scriptures describe him as a righteous man, and I see a lot of great qualities in him. So I don't mean to bash him uh, this morning. But I do want to look at his example as far as what happened in his family and what he did that uh, we can do differently. And one of the things, as the title of the message is this morning, he moved into the midst of sin, and he knew better. And we, we see these things today. You've ever had a friend do something, and you're thinking, why are you doing that? I have friends of my own who, married couples, been married for a long time, and then for some reason it just seems like both of them kind of lose their mind, and their marriage ends in divorce, and it doesn't make any sense. People do strange things. I remember in my own family, um, seeing things like that that just kind of shake you up. I don't know why. I look back in my own history. I look at me 20 years ago, and I think, that man was pretty weird. It's strange. He did some peculiar things. I don't know why I do that. And sometimes with my own things in, in life, I wonder about myself. Lot is one of those men where I, the whole time I read this account, I want to say, I want to be there and go to Lot. And I wish I could have been Abraham and just go over there and grab him and shake him. So what are you thinking? Now, I, get, I know it's hindsight because we can look at what happens with Lot and his background. And, and it's just very, you know, peculiar. I wish I could be there to say something. And I wonder what Abraham might have even said to him. Or if they can, can anticipate what did happen. So Genesis 13, we have this introduction, this choice, this decision that Lot makes. And we read it right here in verses 12 through 13. It says, Abram has settled in the land of Canaan, while Lot settled among the cities of the valley and moved his tent as far as Sodom. There, down around the Dead Sea, there were five main cities down there. Uh, Archaeology shows that them being destroyed by a volcanic activity at about this period of time. And I think that's pretty amazing. And so we look at that and we begin to to read this account here. And here Lot is looking for more ease in life, I think. He's looking at something better for his occupation and for maybe even wealth and other things that uh, appeal to him. But those cities around there should have been a warning to him. And then he says, Now the men of Sodom were wicked, great sinners against the Lord. It appears to me that he knew that ahead of time. And, but he still made the move to be among them, to be in the midst of them. And I think, no, I, I, I don't want that for my family. I don't want that for my wife or my children or for myself to be in the midst of sin. And so we had this, this picture, this warning here of a bad decision and a bad decision gone wrong. And what happens, and, and I didn't put this in here, but with Lot, the, the kings of Shinar, who essentially are the kings of Babylon before being a Babylonian empire, come down and they war against these cities around the Dead Sea, the Salt Sea. 
and they conquer them, and they take Sodom and Gomorrah, and they take Lot, and they're taking them out. You remember this in Genesis 14? And then Abram gets an army together, 300 and so men of his. He, he forms his own army, and he gathers some of his neighbors with him, and they attack. They divide up at night and attack, and they deliver Lot. And I love that story. That's another sermon. But you would think the warning would be right there, clear to Lot. Okay, I made the move here. Now we've been conquered. We've almost been taken away. And we have been delivered. God has delivered us. It should have been his thinking. But he goes back. He goes back to live in Sodom. So the Bible depicts it and warns about Lot's action, moving them in the wrong direction. Today, I think the application is pretty clear. We might not have to move to another city to do this. You can move something into your house today to bring Sodom and Gomorrah into your home. You, you can get the whole cable package. You can get faster internet. You got internet coming into your house. You've got an access, a window to see the most wicked and evil things in this world through your television or through your phone or through a device. And so we, we need to be thinking about that, making sure that we stop those things. I want to put a wall up. I want a barrier that keeps me away from those and away from those temptations. I don't want the same thing for my family. I think about my boys and my girls growing up in this kind of world and what they're going to be facing as far as temptations. I don't want them moving into the midst of that. I moved here to Thomasville to get away from a lot of crazy things that go on in this world. But even though I know moving here is not going to keep evil away. We know it's here. We see it in the city. We see it on TV. It's everywhere. I think many of us, we might have gotten to this point. And I want you to think about yourself personally if you've done this. It's been a week or two. Um, I know there's a TV show uh, on HBO that a lot of people talk about, Game of Thrones. I don't watch it and condone it or anything. Everything I've heard about it has been bad. But I know some who, Christians, even preachers who watch the show. I don't understand it. Because this is the thing that bothers me about that and things that go on with that. Are we becoming like Lot and like many others that we see in the Bible? We overlook things. I remember growing up in the 90s and some of the TV shows that were coming on were extramarital sex and uh, sex outside of marriage. What was, it became more of the norm and it was put on TV so that people would be more accepting of it. It's put into comedies, and people would laugh about it, and they thought it was okay. And I'm very concerned when we look over that kind of thing, extramarital sex, premarital sex, all these things that go on in entertainment and think, oh, it's okay, the show makes me laugh, so it's not a problem. And then we see this, and what really gets in, uh, under my skin is what we see in the news a lot lately is society trying to groom our children towards sexuality. And telling them, you can do whatever you want to do. And disguising it and saying, oh, this is education, or we're trying to expose them and open their minds. Yes, you're opening their minds to evil and wickedness. You see Sodom and Gomorrah, and if anybody who tries to bring that on my children, there's going to be a huge conflict. <laughs> to be an underestimated reaction or statement there on my part. Um, we see perverse sexuality now and just ads. People trying to sell wedding rings now. They've got to show a man and a man or a woman and a woman kissing one another. 
because today's society makes up their own morality. They have no standard or foundation. They can go one direction or the next. They could just be like any, many of the societies within the 20th century who became so morally depraved that the one minute they decide, well, this group of people over here has caused us problems. Let's put them in concentration camps, camps and let's kill them. And that is a degradation of human life. And that's what's happening. It's happening in the world today. And when people tell us that we've evolved from apes, that's a degradation from what the Bible says and what Jesus has told me and told us, that we are made in His likeness. We are made in His image. And the very idea today that someone could say, well, someone's getting older, we can go on and ease them of their misery. We don't even know if they'll feel it anyways. Or, or someone is not yet born, an unborn baby, so let's just dismember them in the womb. And that infuriates me. You could look at the process development of a child within the womb. Human life, beating heart, brain waves. And someone justifies that, well, it's not convenient for me to have a child at this time, and I want to do whatever I want with my body. This body's got to go. This boy or girl that God has created and formed in the womb, as Psalm 139 says, should be dismembered. And it's not a subtle thing. It's a very violent act, the act of abortion, and it's degradating to our society. Society's outrage as justice. Every day somebody gets upset about something and they want to say somebody else is a victim and claim justice over that. And a lot of that is just a facade. It's, it's very fake. You've got an irresponsible journalism. People think they can just defame or say whatever they want on Facebook or Twitter and social media, and you can get away with it. That is wrong. And it even happens in the news. It doesn't matter if it's right side or the left side. You hear people say things. They have no source, no witness behind it, no standards for what they're saying. But we overlook these things. Well, because it supports my political view, then I'm going to throw it around and treat it as though it's true. When there's no source, no witnesses behind it. And then defamation of others to save faith. Face where, well, I want to believe this even though there's no sources for it. And I'm going to slander other people. And if anybody thinks that I'm wrong, I'm just going to attack them as well. And this, is, this is a picture of our society. And you get that a lot when you look at Sodom. You know, some people said, I've heard this before. You know, the sin of Sodom was just they weren't, they were inhospitable. That was not their sin. The Bible says throughout that they went after strange flesh. They were immoral. They were violent. And it says there in the text, as we're about to read this morning, that people cried out against Sodom and Gomorrah. There was an outcry to God, prayers to Him, to end this because these people were going after anybody. And we see the homosexuality that went on there. We see the depraved actions among those people. And we see this. We've seen the believer within the church who sits there and they'll be coming on Wednesday night and Sunday night and they're in Bible study and they're even teaching Bible classes and they're sharing their faith with others. And after a while, something suddenly happens. They stop sharing their faith and they're not there on Wednesday night anymore. And they're not in Bible class and they're not teaching. And then they stop showing up little by little on Sunday morning. And what do we say to them? Or have we even said anything? And all of a sudden they're not here. And if you do manage to go to their door and knock on it, they don't want to come back. It's too, too late many times to restore them like Hebrews chapter 6 says. It's impossible for us to restore them. They may be restored on their own. 
to be able to reach them. We've let it go by. We see this. We've seen it in our families. We've seen it among our friends. We see it in the church. What do we do about it? I want you to be thinking about that. I think we've stressed the importance, the importance of looking at Lot this morning. So let's get to the text. Let's go to Genesis chapter 18. We're going to begin our reading, and I hope that, sorry, Genesis chapter 19. We're going to be beginning our reading here, and I hope that you'll draw out your own observations. I'm going to make a few in a moment. Let's begin verses 1 through 8. The context again, the angels, two angels and the Lord had gone to Abraham. Abraham pleads to save the city, to save Lot. This is what we read in chapter 19, verse 1. The two angels came to Sodom in the evening. Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. That means that he probably had uh, preeminence in in the community. He's sitting in the gate. The community has accepted him. He's a leader there. But what influence has, has Lot had upon the people of Sodom? It appears he has none effect on them. It says, When Lot saw them, he rose to meet them and bowed himself with his face to the earth and said, My lords, please turn aside to your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet. Then you may rise up early and go on your way. So Lot knows what's going to happen. And they said, No, we will spend the night in the town square. And now the practice was that trading... Um, people, merchants would go into towns. They would sleep within the square and they would build their booth up and the next day they would sell their products. And here Lot Lot is saying, don't do that. Come into my house. Verse 3, but he pressed them strongly so they turned aside to him and entered his house and he made them a feast and baked unleavened bread and they ate. Before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both young and old, all the people to the last man surrounded the house and they called to Lot, Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we may know them. Lot went out to the men at the entrance and shut the door after him. And he said, I beg you, my brothers, do not do so wickedly. Behold, I have two daughters who have not known any man. Let me bring them out to you and do to them as you please. Only do nothing to these men, for they have come under the shelter of my roof. It seemed like a strange thing that a righteous man like Lot, and he's already very peculiar, the things that he's doing, would offer his daughters in exchange for these men. We'll talk about that in a minute. Lot kept looking out for the visitors of Sodom. Why is he standing and sitting there in the gate? He knows what's going to happen if anybody comes near. They're going to be abused, if not killed, taken advantage of. He knew how corrupt Sodom was, so he, again, he invites his guests into his house. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't accommodate them. He's caring for them. In that sense, we see how much Lot cares, even though he's living in the midst of sin and such a wicked people. Lot expressed the value of protecting his guests by offering his most valuable possessions. I don't think that Lot is actually offering his daughters here. I think he's stressing to them, why don't you just take my daughters in the sense of saying, what you're doing is extremely wicked, and I'd rather give up my daughters than to do that, and I'm not going to do that either. I don't think that he, he's making that actual offer to them. And I think that what he's doing here is he exposes their wickedness by suggesting his virgin daughters. And their response to him is, and we're going to get to that in a moment, he says, the people say to him, you've become a judge. You're judging us. Does that sound familiar? A wicked people, oh, you're judging us. I'm still waiting. I know it's not in the Bible, but I'm always kind of waiting for somebody to say, you're judging me for judging. So, and, and it's interesting here, because he stood his ground, 
they're going to claim that of him, that he, this, this man who's trying to do some things right is judging. We continue reading here. Did, did Lot convince anybody by living and communing with these evil people? No, he doesn't. Genesis 19, we begin to see this, verse 9, and they said, Stand back. Um, and they said, This man came to sojourn, and he has become the judge. Now we will deal worse with you and then with them. Then they pressed hard against the man, Lot, and drew near to break the door down. But the men reached out their hands and brought Lot into the house and with them and shut the door. And they struck with blindness the men who were at the entrance of the house, both small and great, so that they wore themselves out groping for the door. You see the wickedness of the men there and what is going on there. You see the power of the angels of God seeing this, and we get this picture of Lot. And the angels, of course, really aren't at a threat of, of course, being harmed here. But you begin to see exactly this picture in the Bible is to show us how wicked they were. And here again, the wicked accuse the righteous of judging. Look, look a little bit further here in Genesis 19, 12 through 14. How seriously did, did Lot's son-in-laws listen to him? So evidently Lot has other daughters who have been married. And he goes to his son-in-laws to plead with them to leave the city because the city is going to be destroyed. This is what we read. Then the men said to Lot, have you anyone else? That's the angel speaking to him. Sons-in-law, sons, daughters, or anyone you have in the city, bring them out of the place, for we are about to destroy this place. Because the outcry, listen to this, the outcry against its people has become great before the Lord, and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. The people have been so wicked here, and what they have done, we're going to destroy it. This is the city that's been saved by Abraham. These five cities that were conquered by the kings of Shinarm. Maybe they deserve what was coming to them. But here God gave them another chance and they become wicked, even more wicked. And so Lot went out and said to his son-in-law, sons-in-law, who were to marry his daughters, excuse me there, to marry his daughters, he says, up, get out of this place where the Lord is about to destroy the city. But he seemed to his sons-in-law to be jesting. They believe that he is just joking. He's not even able to influence the men who were going to marry his daughters. So Lot gained no influence for living among these wicked people. And why would that matter to us today? You know, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7 not to cast pearls before swine. There's a point in which we begin to preach and to tell others the right way to go, and they mock and they scoff us, and they reject us. And it gets to a point where we need to move on and share the truth with those who are going to listen. Lot compromised his ability to live by faith. Genesis 19, 15 through 16. As morning dawned, the angels urged Lot, saying, and listen to this. this. This to me sounds a lack of faith on Lot's part. There's something he's struggling with here, what's about to happen. It says, up, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be swept away in the punishment of the city. And he lingered, and so the men seized him and his wife and his two daughters by the hand, and the Lord being merciful to him, and they brought them out and set him outside the city. So the angels couldn't wait anymore. Lot's not wanting to leave. Where's his faith? Why is he not listening? Why is he not hearing the pleading of these men? What's about to happen? They had to be taken out uh, from among this. And that's what we see here in the text. Lot lacked trust in God's instructions. We continue to read here. It says, And Lot said to them, Oh no, my lords, behold, your servant has found favor in your sight. 
And you have shown me great kindness in saving my life, but I cannot escape to the hills, lest the disaster overtake me and I die. God's already saved him, and he's afraid he's going to die now in the hills. He says, lest the disaster overtake me. He says, behold, this city is near enough to flee to. He's talking about Zoar. And it is a little one. Let me escape there. Is it now a little one? And my life will be saved. He doesn't trust even God's instructions to go into the hills, to escape this event. It's very strange. What we get from the, the account of Lot here is this. Right here in the Scriptures. 2 Corinthians 6 and verse 14. Paul says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. What partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? What fellowship has light with darkness? The word for partnership and fellowship are the same one here. Koinonia. You don't have a communion with wickedness. You don't have a fellowship with sin. You don't need to be linked with people around you who are going to influence you. You don't need the friends, those partnerships, those business connections that are going to lead you astray. Many of us today, we think it's okay to have that partnership or that communion with wickedness. We surround ourselves with with wicked people and think we're not going to be influenced. We listen to profane music and we think it's not going to affect me. We watch watch profane and disgusting and disturbing things on television and think it has no effect on me or on my family. That's not what the Bible teaches. And we have no fellowship with that. Righteousness has no part in lawlessness. Light has no part with darkness. They do not go together. Many believers, we compromise our faith, and not only that, our own families. We can lose our families and lose what we've had. And we see Lot as an example of it. Before we finish this morning, I want you to look at this passage here in Genesis 19, 23 to 26. It says, the sun had risen on the earth when Lot came to Zoar. Then the Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah sulfur and fire from the Lord out of heaven. I take this as a a natural occurrence caused by God, a volcanic uh, outflow from the land. You've got a lot of salt there. You've got sulfur. You've got bitumen and tar. It says, and he overthrew these cities and all the valley and all the inhabitants of the city and what grew on the ground. But Lot's wife, notice this about Lot's wife. Not only did she turn around, she was behind him. I don't know how far behind him he, she was, but she looked back and she became a pillar of salt. In other words, I take this as not that she magically turned into salt. Now, God can do that. God, uh, not magically, but God can create miraculously and have turned her into salt if he wanted to. But I think this is the effect of what is happening here in the destruction. She stayed behind, she looks at it, And she becomes a part of it. And Christ tells us, Jesus tells us, look at this, remember this, because the Son of Man is coming one day, and there's going to be a time of judgment. And you can look at the time of Noah, as we did last week. You can look at the time of Lot and the fire and God's wrath that justly came upon Sodom and Gomorrah and on those cities. And the plan for us is this, I'm going to follow God. And we've got to have that conviction. I'm going to put away wickedness. I'm going to go after Him. I'm not going to make up my own ways. I'm going to follow God's plan for my life. Any other way is going to be destructive. This morning I encourage you, there's a day of judgment coming. Christ is going to come and He's going to judge the world and you need to be right before Him. The only one who can wash away your sins is Jesus by His own blood. By His sacrifice on the cross on your behalf. And when I stand before God, I know I can't stand before Him and say, look, God, I did a lot of good things. That's not going to work. The Bible says that because of my sins, I'm going to stand 
as dead before him, deserving of his wrath. The only one who can make me right to stand before God on that day is Jesus Christ. So I've got to believe, I've got to confess my faith that Jesus rose from the dead, repent of my sins, be baptized, and rise up in the newness of life. In that way, I can follow in Christ. I can stand before God having all my sins washed away because it is Christ who makes us holy. Colossians chapter 1. And he is the only way. And so Jesus warns right here in Luke 17, 28 to 30. Likewise, just as it was in the days of Lot, they were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But on the day when Lot went out from Sodom, fire and sulfur rained from heaven and destroyed them all. So will it be on the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Are you ready? There will be a judgment. There is a creator of this universe. He has made you and given you a purpose. He's loved you so much that he, that is his son, came in the flesh and died for you. I hope that you believe that you repent and give your life to Christ. This morning, if you've been, been baptized, you've been struggling with sin, we want to pray with you and encourage you. We encourage you to come right now while we stand and while we sing. Please come.